Life Audio. Welcome to the March or Die show today. Very glad to have you joining me. And I am so excited about jumping into this conversation. We're going to get into it in just a couple of minutes. Uh, before we get there, though, I want to remind you, if you are not yet subscribed, please do that now. Wherever you're listening from, go ahead and subscribe. That would be fantastic. And then for more information about me, you can find my blog. You can find my social connections all of it can be found at jeremystalnicker.com. My name, jeremystalnicker.com. Subscribe, share the content out, go to jeremystalnicker.com, and uh, you'll find some great content there as well. Today is really a part two of the episode that you heard last week. Uh, I recorded last week's episode about a month ago, and then I held it because I got to the end of that and thought, we need to do a part two. Last week, if you listened to that episode, and if you didn't, you need to go back and check that out. I talked to Adam Comer. Adam is the executive director of S2L Recovery out of uh, Middle Tennessee. He is a strong believer. He's a pastor, um, a person who has lived experience and now is helping others move forward beyond addiction and helping them to understand what God created them to be and what God created them to do, how he wants them to live and how they can align their lives to the life uh, that the Bible outlines. And I'm so grateful for his friendship. I'm grateful to have had the opportunity now several times to talk with him. And when I got to the end of our conversation last week, uh, the podcast last week, talking about addiction, talking about shame and guilt, we talked about forgiveness, we talked about so many great things, uh, there was much more to discuss, particularly as it relates to families, those who are, are dealing with an addict in their life, and veterans. Uh, many veterans uh, we know in the veteran community are dealing with addiction. And uh, Adam said he'd come back on and talk about that. So I'm very, very grateful for that. So we are going to jump into that conversation now. Uh, again, appreciate you being with me. This is an episode that you not only want to listen all the way through, but you will absolutely want to share. We're going to have a brief break, and then we'll jump into my conversation with Adam Comer. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. 
Adam, it is great to have you uh, back on to connect again. This is um, kind of a part two. Now, people listening don't know this, but there's been about a month of yeah. time between recordings, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but this is part two. When we did the first recording and had the first interview, uh, I got to the end of that and thought, this needs to be connected to a second part. We need to continue this conversation. Yeah. So I appreciate you taking the time uh, to come back on and continue this conversation. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. So the movie magic, it's not, it's, 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 so you're watching, you're watching this one after you watch last week's episode, but yeah, so there has been some time in between. I think we talked about uh, S2L opening up a detox that was not open then, and, and it did open. It opened up Wednesday, so if it looks like I haven't slept in 17 months, it's because I haven't. <laughs> and, and you have a family and everything else, so yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. So it's open, and, and things are going, and, man, this is an honor. I, I think I said it last time that, man, I think, honestly, we could have talked all day. And so I'm, I'm really excited about being back, and uh, we are – um, yeah, we are cut from the same cloth, yeah. uh, like-minded. And so, man, and I honor you, man, and cherish you, and I'm thankful for your service and uh, what you're doing now and, and well, your ministry I, uh, now. I definitely appreciate it, and I'm so thankful for what you, you all do. Um, one of the, I think one of the gifts that you have is communicating what you do and communicating it well and um, in, a, in an actionable form. A lot of folks think about addiction and the issues that we discussed on the last episode and, and they get it kind of cerebrally. They understand it maybe intellectually. Maybe they're connected to it personally or they know someone who has. I think in the United States we're all at least loosely connected to addiction and, and understand that from one perspective or another. Yeah. But you have the ability to bring that down to a place where we can all move forward on that and understand it biblically and see it in the right way. And so I'm very grateful for that. Appreciate that. Um, this is actually our, our third conversation about uh, these issues. And so there's so much to talk about here. And it impacts so many lives. I was thinking about this last night. Addiction, as bad as it is for the individual, um, perhaps it's worse for the people that are connected to them. And, you know, there's so often we feel bad for you know someone who's struggling, and we should. Compassion is right. Help is right. We need to feel bad and do what we can to help them. But uh, we often forget the people that are on the sidelines. Just. Yeah just dealing with it every day, kids and spouses. And uh, I'm sure a lot of what you deal with is trying to put that in context for the men yeah. that come through the program. Moms and dads. Yeah. I mean, uh, just this week we have a, we have a, a sister podcast. You were on our podcast life after addiction. And it was awesome, man. I had great feedback. I had some of our um, former people connected with us that were combat veterans, you know, chiming in, but yeah. Um, we have a sister podcast that my wife and another uh, staff's wife does called Hope After Addiction. And oh, the yeah. episode this yeah. week that dropped um, had, just had me crying. They had a mama on, uh, yeah. and her son went through it. And so, yeah, it is. It, it, uh, to communicate that to the men that I serve who are going through it, you know, I, I do that with we, – we, we do that with kitty gloves just because when they're with me, they're with me for a short period of time. Right. Healing happens. We're going to speak truth, but we're going to show compassion. But – yeah, the weight and the devastation and the chaos that does come from life of addiction, it's touching everyone. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's, it's not just a person going through it. It's a family thing. It's a family situation, and how those families deal with that is a wide variety. You know, some historically, uh, and I think that's beginning to shift a little bit because of stuff like this, mm. but historically it was, shh, no one talks about yeah, it. Right, everyone smiles. Right. Everyone, you go to church, you don't talk about it. Billy's not here because he's working or whatever. But in, in home, they're dying. 
Like there's, it's ripping everyone's relationships apart. So absolutely, it affects the family. It affects the loved ones um, as much, but in a different way. We touched on this briefly last uh, last time we talked, but it, it's really interesting to me that that motivation is not enough yeah. to get someone to break the cycle of addiction. That looking at a family that is broken and kids that are hurting and you know parents, whatever the case that when you're in the middle of addiction, and when we talk about addiction, when I talk about addiction, I'm talking about not only substance abuse, but pornography addiction. Sure. And, and I mean, it could be anything, right? Any idol that you have in your life that drives the decisions that you make. Um, seeing that you are destroying the people around you often is not enough motivation to get you to stop. And it's, it's the craziest thing. Yeah, not only that, but your freedom. L- legally losing your, going to jail. Right. The threat of that's not enough. The threat of losing your life is not enough. And, and it's wild. And, and that's what addiction's so crazy because the same dad, let's, let's take a dad, the same father who honestly loves his family, would die for his family, yep, yep. doesn't see the chaos and destruction and killing of his family in the throes of addiction. Mm. Uh, they're choosing, and it's, it's sin, man. And that's what happened in Genesis 3 when, when sin... Yep broke the world it separated us from god right and uh when sin entered and so and and a lot of people don't like me saying that addiction is sin you know but i mean i have to speak truth and 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 it's idolatry it's choosing things bootleg pleasures uh going to a substance going to a porn going to a, a computer screen going to work even all of these things that you're filling some void of that God's saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest for your soul. So we're exchanging the glory of God and, and his promises for bootleg cheap substitutes, and that's idolatry. And that always will end bad. And when you're in the throes of that, there's a veil on, the Bible says, right? Well, that's why when you're born again, there's a veil that's removed, and you see the scriptures, and you see the world for the way it is. But when that veil's on, it's only about me, even though... It's such a weird dichotomy. I would lay down my life for my kids at the same time I'm doing activities over here that put my kids at risk and in jeopardy. Right. It's, right. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's the insanity of um, a debased mind even, potentially. Can you talk to uh, something that I've thought about a lot? Um, Romans chapter 6 talks about how in Christ we're no longer slaves to sin. We're not enslaved to that. I take that to mean we're no longer driven by that or controlled by that. The devil in Ephesians 2 is no longer our father. So we're not at the whim of those evil lusts and, you know, that sin. However, and this is, this is where I think a lot of folks struggle, I'm no longer a slave to that sin yeah. as a Christian, but we all know a lot of Christian people, sincere Christian people, those who have had an encounter with Jesus Christ to have a relationship with God because of their confidence, their faith, and their hope in what Christ did on the cross and his glorious resurrection. They could explain that to us as clearly as we could to them, and yet they're still dealing with addiction. How do you break that down, that we're no longer a slave to that sin, and yet it seems in so many cases to continue to enslave us? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna get us in trouble. You ready? That's all right. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> all right. Where to start? That, that, that's a great question, and I, and I feel like I have an answer. The Bible says, and, and I was trying to flip to it, I couldn't find it fast enough. But pretty sure Paul says once and for all, 
right? Mm-hmm. Christ died to sin right. in, in that aspect. Right. So there, I, I want to answer in two ways. One, and I'm not trying to be... I want to raise up mighty men of valor, mighty women yep. of valor yep. for the kingdom. You know, yep. like we said, I believe we said it. I know we said it in our podcast, but I, I honestly believe the charge that God's given us is from the rooms of recovery will come the revival of a nation. Mm. And that's not going to be done with a bunch of sissies, right? Mm. And so when I say, when you ask me the question, I, and then I look at data and I know the things and I'm hearing something like 60% of cr- professing Christians read the Bible twice a year. Yeah, right, sure. I, I don't. I want to be gentle. I want to be compassionate because this is a sensitive issue. But, I, but man, there's two themes in the Bible. I mean, there's many themes. When it comes to this, there's two themes. There's the sovereignty of God, yep. and He is absolute sovereign. But there's also a man's responsibility theme that we see in the Bible in the aspect of if He commands us to do certain things on this side of glory. We won't be perfect. So, so when he asked the question, what do I think when I see Christians? True blue could be. I mean, we don't know the heart, but they're professing, and, and you think that they're Christians, and they're struggling with addiction. I think, okay, what do you do with that? If someone slips, let's say a guy, a Christian, has been doing well, and he has a relapse, the old relapse. Well, what the secular world says is that you start over, everything that you've done is for nothing, you go back to your meeting, you get a white chip, and you say, you know, just for today, I could try to regain all the sobriety. Well, what the Bible says is that you repent and you press on. And so if it is a true Christian who stumbles and had a relapse, hey, man, repentance, you should see their heart of, I sinned against God, I hate that I did this, and now I'm welcoming in more accountability from my brothers or sisters in Christ, and I'm not going to do that. That's not who I am. I'm, I'm a bloodstained child of the kingdom. I'm a new creation in Christ. I've been crucified with him. I made a mistake. I sinned. I'm repenting and I'm pressing on. But the big key to that is, especially maybe in this country, is is I don't think anyone likes accountability. Um, I don't think anyone likes being told that, hey, you did something, you you jacked up there, man. You, You shouldn't have done that. You know, hey, you're out of bounds there with the way that you're thinking or saying it. And uh, yeah, I, I think no one likes that. And I think if, if we are mighty men of valor, mighty women of valor, uh, as the book of Judges says in chapter 6 when, when God's referring to Gideon, if that's true, then, man, our responsibility is what are we doing? If we want to grow in sanctification, if we don't want to sin in this way anymore, man, let's do what it says in Second Peter you know, chapter 1, where it gives us a list of, of sanctification, areas of growth. You grow in brotherly affection. You grow in love. You grow in steadfastness. Um, and dive into his word and do some of these things. And so it doesn't surprise me, nor do I think someone's not a Christian if they fail, if they're falling into sin. It's what do they do next? That's good. If, if it's, if, and I think yeah. the first episode we talked about the pity party. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and if you go that way, then, yeah, I, that's a problem. But if you... Get angry against your sin. Did I tell the story of um, the the thief breaking in at two in the morning last no, episode? No. And this is what I tell the guys sometimes, and it's hypothetical, you know. And I ask them, you know, hey, you're at home with your family, and it's at three in the morning, and someone kicks your door in, and and the intention of this intruder is to kill you and to take your family from you. What would you do? You'd get violent, right? You don't invite him to play a game of Xbox or Madden or whatever. You're not going to play games with that guy. He means business, and you're going to get violent against that man to protect your home, your family, and yourself. 
Well, sin does the same thing. Addiction will do the same thing. It will kill you, and it will take your family from you. The wages of sin is death. And so why are we playing games with it? Why aren't we getting violent against sin? And I don't mean people. You don't get violent against the liquor store clerk or the drug dealer. You get violent against the sin and against the notion in your head that says this thing that offends God is what I need today. This thing that uh, God says is wicked is what I want to long for today. You get violent against that thought. That's the kind of that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, the, the so slavery means you don't have another option. You don't have the opportunity even to repent. You can't go a different direction. Um, yes. But <laughs> as a Christian, if you've fallen, you now have the opportunity because of God's grace and the gift of the Holy Spirit. I, I think you yes. know, it seems often that uh, we have. We're not a slave, and I picture this in my mind as the jail cell door is open, but those 60% of Americans who read the, or Christians mm. who read the Bible twice a year, Whew. they don't have the power to get up off the floor and walk out that door because they're not utilizing what, what God has provided to them. Yeah. Um, or when you fall down, you know, repentance is, what, what a gift repentance is. We think of it as a dirty thing or like something to be avoided. Yeah. What an amazing thing that, we as children can come to God the Father and say, I messed up. Yeah, I mean... I, I did this wrong. I sinned against you. Perfect example. And, and, and two sides of that. The first example you gave I thought was great, but it's also biblical. It reminds me of in Exodus, the, the moaning and groaning, mm. following Moses. Oh, at least with Pharaoh we had yeah, food, yeah, yeah. you know, or a yeah, place to bury right. our loved ones. Right. Uh, and then I also think, I think that conviction, one of the main jobs of the Spirit of God, if you are a believer... Your life, a life of a Christian man or woman is a life of repentance. Mm. It's not something that you just do at your moment yep. of salvation. I repent, yep. God. If you are a believer, you will have a yep. life marked with repentance. Right. And one of the main jobs of the Holy Spirit is conviction. That's right. And conviction gets such a bad rep, man. I mean, especially, you know, dealing with addiction and things like that. Anyone that's been in the court system, you get convicted. You don't want to hear that word. <laughs> yeah. But if we're if we're running from conviction or if we take i don't want to keep repeating myself but if we take that conviction and it causes us to woe is me or in that pit again that we talked about then we're not responding correctly we're not doing what we what what the word of god says we take that conviction and it's a sweet man it's the holy spirit saying don't do that hey come back come back yeah you're going the wrong path and if if you turn you know (laughs) repent turn from it take conviction do what it's supposed to be. it's a blessing of god repentance is a blessing of god and then press on man forgetting yep. what lies behind paul said yeah that's good uh man there's so much more we could dig into there um man there's a lot more but let's let's talk yeah. about I, I have all these thoughts right i, I know, just want to just too. continue asking questions yeah hit them um let's talk about veterans for a little while this is a group of folks that uh, perhaps in the United States have a unique set of circumstances, uh, different background than many, those who've served in the military. Um, it's something like 1% of Americans currently have served in the military and mm. one half of 1% have served in combat. That number is probably getting smaller now, even the further we get away from, um, you know, our previous 20 years of war. Yeah. So, the unique experience of those who've served in the military creates some unique challenges, um, some unique problems for many folks. And it's been my experience working with veterans, working with those in the military, uh, even in the first responder community, 
to see a lot of what we like to call or they like to call <laughs> self-medication. It's not yeah. addiction. Sure. It's, it's self-medication. This is how I deal with all of the things I've had to deal with. Uh, meanwhile, often families are falling apart. Certainly lives are not being lived to the fullest. Um, there's a cloud that prevents clear thought and, and direction. Um, let's talk about those in that world for a yeah. little while. And I know that you have worked with a lot of folks who served currently, <clears throat> excuse me, working with folks who uh, have served. Um, what makes that unique if it is? And how do you move beyond service and background and all of those things to get to the, the core issues, the, the root issues? Yeah. Whew. And, and I'll preface this. Well, I think one of the differences is, is and I believe we've mentioned this, that, that I, I see it as the warrior class. Mm. And that's a, that is a design by God, and it is 1%, half yeah. of a percent. Yeah. And I don't think everyone that has served is maybe built that way. Right. Uh, but I believe if, if that is the type of person, and so that is a person that I see is loyal, hardworking, um, cause-driven, uh, fear, low tolerance of fear. Like I'm, I'm going to put my life on the line for someone I've never met. And that is a person that I honor and that's not how everyone's wired. Right. Um, so I think there is a difference there. Um, and, and I don't know, I, I guess I start this with, I don't know the things that have been, been seen and I, and I pray I never do some of the things that are being medicated. You're right. Uh, I know a lot of trauma and drama that have uh, over the decade I've worked here and, and seen and heard of awful things happening to people by the people that were supposed to love them the most. Uh, and so I can relate to trauma in that aspect, but I can't say that I can relate. And so I don't want to, to even begin to put myself in that situation to try to compare, but, but I also know that God is sovereign and God's word is sufficient for the warrior class. Uh, God honors the warrior class, uh, in his word. Uh, and so, yeah, I think when I'm just kind of bringing it back, uh, if I'm self-medicating because I, the, there's the nightmares or the things being flashed, just the things that have been seen, uh, and I'm medicating that, you know, I'm speaking truth, but I'm showing compassion because I've never been there, then I'll say that you're taking that, you're choosing that route. Um, there's other, there's, I mean, <laughs> there's, there's, therapy there's christ-centered things but there's also a god that loves you right and he tells you that there is rest yes sir for your soul right. uh he knows what you've gone through he knows what you've seen he's he's uh sovereign and and, and man he used you in a way uh, as a vessel to get his will done and he knows that and he's telling you you personally watching this or listening to this no matter what you've seen or done he's telling you that if you come to him there is rest for your soul. And so yeah. the question should be, well, how, Adam, how, Jeremy, do I come to him? How do I do that? I want that. I know that the, the, I know and I'm actually listening and I'm believing you guys. How do I come to him? And, and I think the answer would, in a biblical sense, would be, um, and this is, this is where it might be hard for the warrior class. And the only way I can relate to this is through sports. My dad's a coach. And when I say coach, if you look up 80s, 1980s coach in the dictionary, that's my dad. He had the stash. <laughs> he had the tight collared shirt, perma whistle on his neck at all times. And I just remember him, never surrender. Mm. 
It's the fourth quarter. I don't care if you're down 30. You never surrender. And so the mindset in that when God says the only way for victory is surrender, the only way to freedom, the only way to this rest for your soul is surrender. And some of the language, and I'm not beating up on anyone, but there isn't words matter. It's not I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It's really not. And and I'm I'm not trying to get silly with this. It's really, I surrender to Christ. The, the, the Bible talks about you die to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You are no longer a slave to sin because you are a slave to righteousness. Yeah. And so when you surrender your life to Christ, and, and that might be the piece that's harder for the warrior class. And I don't know that. But man, there is more peace, more victory, more... Um, I don't know, boldness, ferociousness in Christ than not in Christ. Yeah. Is any of that? I mean, yeah, no, I don't want to just, I don't want to just keep. You so know. we have this conversation um, with those that we're trying to, to, you know, to help. And we've had the opportunity to help thousands of veterans and, and active duty service members. Um, many, many, many first responders. And there is this, this idea of self-reliance there's this belief of self-reliance that i need to um you know grind harder i need to do more i need to do this on my own i need to take care of this on my own and that image is then projected from that community i believe to Mm. the rest of the world so the rest of the world looks at those in the military and think you know they are they're self-reliant they're this they're that and the other thing the, the problem with that is fundamentally i mean at the ground level for a Marine, when they're standing on the yellow footprints, the, the first 30 seconds of boot camp um, on the officer side, it's an officer candidate school. This is throughout the military is the understanding that there are no individuals in the military. Hmm. It's funny. Years ago, the army came out with this, this motto of, you know, be an army of one. And, and everyone has mocked that because there's really no such thing as an army of one. There are no, no Rambos in the military. This is, this is a very dependent community of people. I need to depend on the person to the left and the right of me to move forward. I need to understand what it is to call for close air support, to get people outside of my current situation to come into my situation and provide the support necessary for me mm-hmm. to move forward and deal with the enemy that I'm dealing with. So it, it, it's, it, it's fascinating as an observer, but then also as someone who likes to put up walls and keep other people away from me. So I can observe this, but I've also lived this to fall back into this, like, well, I need to be stronger or I need to try more, or you don't know, or you don't understand when the reality is that's not even what it means to be, (laughs) to be in the military, to be in the military means you have a set of skills that you employ with other people. And the breakdown of that understanding, man, it's, it's so damaging, and yeah. I, I think we're talking about the same thing. Take that principle that you learned in the military and bring that into your life and get the help that you need from outside of yourself. But you're right, humbling yourself to the point where you're willing to reach out for help, uh, accept help, ask for help. Well, yeah. And it's, that's the it's, obstacle. It's, and, and God made us to be communal. He made us right. to have fellowship. And one right. of our four, we have, we have a thing called four pillars, a class that uh, I teach and some others teach. And it's God's word, um, prayer, 
And these are daily things. You need to be in prayer every day. You need to be in God's word every day. You need to have fellowship, good yeah. fellowship every day. And then you need to be marching toward your action point every day. Mm, that's good. And the whole fellowship, you know, God made us. In the, in the very beginning, he, he said that it was good that, that Adam had Eve. Like, this was pre-fall. So Adam being alone was not sufficient, you know, and it wasn't because of sin. It wasn't because of anything else. He made a helper. He made there to be community. And so... Yeah, I mean, applying that same aspect, if you're going to conquer this obstacle, if you're going to push this point, uh, you're going to need your team with you. And, and the same thing with the body of Christ. We, we have you, my friend, if, if, if your walls are up and I never get to use the tools that God's gifted you that he hadn't gifted me and you never get to use the tools that God's gifted me that he didn't gift you, man, our impact on this world is going to be way less than if we were joining forces and pushing forward. And... The illustration is, is, is uh, I'm looking at the screen now, and, and Jeremy, you probably have a good memory, but if I asked you, hey, without turning around and looking, tell me exactly the order of everything that's behind you, <laughs> right? And you couldn't do that. Well, right. well, I could. I got your back. I, I can see your six mm-hmm. for you. I that's could good. tell you, hey, man, that TV's on. I could tell you all the situation of everything behind you because I could see your blind spots. And if I allow, I'll let you see mine too. Yeah. And if we're, if we're in that with the humility, that's, that's like a, there's a freedom there. Right. And, and there's yeah. not this constant in your mind and constant dragging you down because there's freedom from that. Yeah. But you brought up some other things. I mean, again, this point we could talk about forever because there's some other things that you said, but I don't want to, I just answer it directly. I don't want to keep going without passing well, if it If there's back something to you. else there, go ahead and jump on it. Well, I mean the fellowship piece, but also, um, something that kind of hit me as you were talking, it was just the, it was just the surrender piece. Um, as you were talking about putting walls up and having that team and things like that, it kind of hit me how much harder maybe it is for, for someone that weakness was not really an option. And the training that veterans receive, uh, military members receive, uh, and the mindset that has to be to even go into a battlefield, to even go into active military, uh, a, a war situation, like the training's designed to keep you in that moment and having you doing tasks without being all up in your head. Then all of a sudden you're home and we're telling you, Hey, you need to be in your head. You need to release these things. You need to feel these things. And it's, it's, it's probably a nightmare, but I, I come back to the gospel. I come back to what I know about God and how sovereign he is. And that if, if, it worked for me, I promise, no matter your circumstances, I know it works for you because he said it, so be it, I guess. Um, one of the challenges, I, I believe, of working with a community like the veteran community is, it is that, that wall. And I think it's a facade. I don't think it's a real thing. Yeah. But it's a wall that is constructed by the person that wants to keep others out. And it sometimes sounds like, using language, you don't know where I've been, you don't know what I've done, so you can't connect to me, you can't help me. There's no way that you can help me. And sometimes that then translates into, I can't go to that church because those people there don't know what it's like to have lived the experience that I've mm-hmm. lived. I can't, I, I can't find help there. And so it's this, it's this wall that's put up. Uh, you can add to that behaviors and even the way people dress and the places people go completely isolating themselves from anyone outside of what they perceive to be their community. And so it's this, uh, it's this echo chamber, right? It's, it's people continuing to talk to themselves about their problems and, and, uh, we get it. And 
there is no help found there. Um, and so the challenge in that to me is, is breaking that wall down, which is why our program, the Mighty Oaks Foundation programs, the legacy programs, are run entirely by people who have graduated from our programs. Yeah, so removing that obstacle. Removing the obstacle. So yeah. when I'm standing up in front of a class of students, the very first conversation we have is, you know, after we fill out uh, waivers and all the other things we do, uh, the first conversation is, thank you for being here. Yeah. Thank you for serving your country. That's the last time anyone's going to say thank you because <laughs> we're not here for that. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're here to encourage you, yes, but we're also here to challenge you. We're here to point out areas that you need to improve. Really what we're here to do is to give you a picture of what it's like to live your life the way that God created you to live your life, and then you can make your own decisions. But mm. as quickly as we can in our program, we get past that, you don't know what it's like to be me, you've never been where I've been. Yeah. A big part of that is, you know, that opening conversation happens. The next thing that happens is a testimony from someone who stands up and they tell their story, um, the story before the military, of the military, coming to a Mighty Oaks program and how they were able to then, you know, understand who God created them to be and what that looked like in their life. And uh, it often ends with, I don't have it all figured out, but I'm a little further down the road and I want to help you. So getting past that wall, that was a really long way of saying we've got to break that wall down. Yeah. But in, in your world, I'm guessing that it's not that different, no. that the people that come to you would probably, I'm guessing, because humans are all pretty much the same, would say, well, my experience is different because of, or I was abused, and this is what makes it okay for me, or this is what makes my situation different. But I believe there's a commonality of human experience and also help. By the end of our a week with us, my hope is that you'll realize you can go back to your local church, you can go to a pastor, you can go to a Christian friend, even one who doesn't have perhaps your experience, and find help, and find hope, and find connection, and fellowship, and, and the rest of the things that we need. Um, how do you address that? In your setting, how do you deal with, I understand where you're coming from, I have compassion for that, or empathy for that, but... We need to set that aside now and and do the work of getting back to where we need to be. Yeah, and, and that may have been the longest question no, that's, in the that's history of podcasting, by the way. No, that's very interesting, <laughs> and I have a kind of a story that goes with that personally. But I mean, as we teach it, uh, I, we almost call it death talk. It's like, hey, we didn't come here to talk about that stuff that brought us here, right? We're we talk about it, but not glorifying it, and it just yeah. seems like. In that mode, and I guess what it is is it's a defense mechanism, right? If if right. I just if no one can reach me, then no one can reach me, and I don't have to expose this darkness that I feel. Right. Um, but it's almost like we, in our space, uh, it's like who did the most, who had the best plug, yep. who was yep. the who could drink the most, and it's like a never ending. So we call it death talk, and it's like why are we why are we here to do this? Why are we why are we talking and glorifying things that brought us to rehab or brought us to this place why don't we talk about life and, and renewal and things like that so i mean i think that's kind of how we address it but it's interesting that you say that the obstacle um about someone who hasn't walked in our shoes and using that as a defense mechanism that we can't communicate so so you wanting to plug people back into church because they fly in from everywhere right 
Right, yeah, all over the country. And so you're wanting them to go back to their church, and if they're saying there's not a veteran populace there, it's like, okay, are there Christians there? Right. And, right. and one of the stories that I tell about that, and it's the fellowship key, and this is when I tell the story because it's like, hey, if we're telling you to do this every day, what the secular world's telling us in our space is you only go to these meetings with yeah. people yeah. and you identify as an addict or an alcoholic. In fact, when you speak, you say, hey, I'm Adam, I'm an alcoholic, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Then that's your fellowship. Well, that's not reality. And the example I gave early on, my wife moved to Middle Tennessee. I had just taken a position here after interning, after going through the very program now that God's called me to lead. Yeah. We knew it was important for us to plug into a church, my wife and I. And so we plugged in, and I was an intern at the time, I believe, and I was working every other Sunday. And so one of the Sundays that I was working, my wife went to church. Um, and she signed us up for a small group. <laughs> and I I've was, had that experience. So yeah. Yes. And this was over a decade ago. But, and I was young, I guess younger in my faith. I was on fire. Don't get me wrong. But I was younger in my faith. And I had an opinion about church folk. And, and again, I just said, I only have one Sunday off. And this small group met every other Sunday that I was off. And so I'm going to go to church on the day off. And then I have to go to these strangers' homes and talk about stuff. <laughs> And so it came time to, to go into our very first small group. And I was a little haughty about it. I was just like, really? We're running a little late. And I was like, babe, let's just, hey, let's just catch them next time. It'd be, and she's like, it'd be two weeks from now. And I told them we were coming. She goes, get in the house. I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> she's a godly woman. Um, and so we went in, but I was still feeling haughty. And it was like, leave it to Beaver. Hey, guys, yeah, <laughs> oh, right. you're here. In my mind, that's how it was. And it was going around the room. They're introducing themselves. And it was just, do, 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 we're perfect, da, 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 da. You know, it was really masky kind of feeling. Yeah. And it got to us, and I was like, here's my chance. We'll never come back. <laughs> and, and I just go, hey, guys, just got out of rehab. You know, I did a lot of bad things, addicted to drugs, stole things. I was a thief, did all that, and their mouths were just dropping, right? And I, But, I mean, I ended it, and God redeemed me and, and set me free. God's restored our marriage. It's awesome. But, I mean, it was their jaws were just what seemed like 15 to 20 seconds, probably it was only like two or three seconds of silence. The host of the home goes, yeah, finally someone got wow. real in here. Wow. And honestly, Jeremy, it went back around the room and sin was confessed. Yeah. Divorce was being talked about and yeah. we're, we were even doing this and uh, porn was talked about. And it was, it was from a moment of, these people never been through what I've been through, but by golly, they need redemption, repentance, all of the things we've talked yep. about on this podcast. They need that daily as well. And it just began relationships to this day. I'm like the godfather of uh, that guy, the guy that the ho who I've never met before. I'm the godfather of his kids today. And it was like those relationships were brought from um, – just being authentic with fellow believers that never had gone through what I'd gone through, but right. they still live in this world of sin. Yep. And if we take the mask off, so I encourage you, if you're going back to the church that doesn't have a veteran population, man, know that people, um, I would hope they, they honor you and they cherish you, but they're people. And if you can get authentic with them, man, you could create that kind of atmosphere. And man, with that kind of atmosphere, watch out, you know? Sorry, that was a long story. No, that's good. So two <laughs> questions, follow-ups. Um, number one, death talk yeah. is not helpful. Yeah. Testimony is powerful. Uh, Absolutely. Book of Revelation tells us the blood of the Lamb, the power of their testimony. 
So question one would be, how do you differentiate between the two? How far do you go with your story yeah. where it's helpful and not just self-loathing? Yeah, or, good question. Or, or uh, I don't know what the word is, performance-based, whatever. Yeah. So great, that's number one. And then, and then the second part of that is when you go into a church, and this is, um, I know this is true for people in the military community, veteran community. I, I know addicts who have gone back to church. So I'm going to give this a go. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because they said I need to. Yeah. And they're let down quickly. They share their story. They feel very vulnerable. Maybe they've shared too much to the wrong person. So what's the difference between depth talk and testimony? And as you're coming into a faith community, how do you navigate that in a way that is helpful and not ultimately it's going to lead you to just walk away and say these people don't get it? Yeah, great questions. Uh, with the first one, uh, I think the difference is glorifying sin um, or fabricating. If you catch yourself in your yeah. testimony fabricating some yeah. of the testimony, it's like, why am I doing that? Yeah. Um, and then I think the other, a testimony uh, is designed to bring God glory. And so if you're, if you're telling your story, and that's yeah, good. your story that's really good. does have this junk in it, telling it in a way that's going to bring God glory of look what he did, not look how bad I was. Yeah. If, the, if the objective is God and his glory and what he, the wretch that he saved, I think you're safe. But if you find yourself or catch yourself somewhat trying to glorify you or glorifying the sin in your life, you know, you're probably off a little bit inside of that. You might want to look at, you know, how, yeah. what, what your mindset is on some of those things. Now the church here, here's, that's a great question too, man. And being in this space of ministry, uh, I am a pastor, uh, but I'm ordained by a ministry and our ministry partners with a lot of different churches and different denominations. So I've had a unique kind of like, I'm in good with a lot of churches, and so I've been able to see maybe some things that if you were just a at one church, you wouldn't see. And here's what I know. Well, let me break it down to you this way. So the same way that my mindset is when I see a veteran, I almost kind of put them on a pedestal. And I don't know why. I think it's ingrained in me, you know, yeah, sure. I grew up that way. Um, I put them on a pedestal, and it's just like, man, that guy. But reality is that guy's still jacked up, you know. He's still a human. And so I think the mindset of you going back home to your church or starting and going maybe to church for the first time, you're hearing this, you're like, I'm going to give it a shot. You need to understand that church is filled and on staff and filled with people that are jacked up. <laughs> jacked right. up, man. Right. That's what 10 years of ministry has taught me is that yeah. it's not just the people going through drug addiction yeah. that are jacked up. It's, it's everyone. everybody. It's everyone. If they're honest, it's everyone. So have your expectations knowing that, man, they're going to fail you. Yeah. Uh, they're not going to bat a thousand. Um, and if you hurt because you were vulnerable once and they didn't respond the way they did, hey, step back, breathe, know that they're jacked up, know that you weren't vulnerable with them for their approval in the first place. You were vulnerable with them because God tells you to be, have fellowship and confess sins to one another and things like that. And so give it another shot. Um, be patient. Um, maybe God's calling you to be a leader there, and you're there for the first day. And if you, if you hit the eject button, man, what in five years you were supposed to be leading some men's group or something, just be patient. Like 
Know that it's filled with people that are jacked up and they're going to fail you and you're not going there. You're not doing these things to please them or to check some box. You're doing it because God called us to be in fellowship and and to be a part of the body in the capital C church. That's good. That perspective is, is so important. It's amazing. We're all like this. I'm not saying other people are like this. I am like this. That we all are so grateful for God's grace. We love grace. We're all about grace. Yeah. If it's if we are the recipients of yeah. it, <laughs> but yeah. man, we are not quick to offer grace to other people. Um, my wife and I just had this conversation last week, and uh, it wasn't about other people. It was about uh, the two of us, yeah. and how quick we are to go. Well, you should understand where I'm coming from, or you should know what I'm dealing with, or you should. But we are not willing to offer that to other people. Yeah. And in the context of the church, that's a huge issue. And it's, yeah. it's funny because we sing about grace, right? And then we look around and, like, these people are so messed up. I don't want to talk to any of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I remember something, and I don't do this perfectly and could do this a lot better. But there was some point in my walk with the Lord in uh, my sanctification process, which, by the way, sanctification is not fun, guys. Right. Sanctification right. means that you're burning off, like, areas of your life that are not pleasing to God. And that we already addressed at the beginning, you know, no one likes that. No one likes being told right. they don't, they're not doing something right. right. But there was one point in that process that I could just see people, and it was easier for me to have grace because I was like, I, I think it was a blessing from God. And, I, again, it's not always... But there's times that I could go in and I could see people hurting, mm. regardless of their actions or their words. Like when most of the time these actions or these words would make me want to pop them in the face or hit yeah. them in the face and not yeah. want to. God shifted there, and I remember it so clearly. And I don't do this all the time. It's not all the time, and I think it's a gift of God. But God allowed me to see pain in, in them and not actions and not words. And I was like, oh, Wow. And, and so grace came a little easier. So if we could position ourselves and know that's, I mean, you could go to psychology books, psychology 101 and all that. But I mean, know when someone is acting out or someone is doing something that in anger or saying certain words that are hurtful to you or doing, there's something inside of them. The reason I say that you could turn to psychology books or you could just look at the word of God and the word of God says in Ephesians that we don't battle against flesh and blood. Yeah. That everything is a cosmic, everything is a spiritual war. And so when you see these physical things coming out or these words coming out, there's something cosmic happening, spiritual happening inside of them. And if you could position yourself to see pain, it would be easier to see, to, to allow grace. That's good. Easier. And I don't, I, again, I, pref, I fail at that more yeah, than I'm successful right. at that, I promise you. Well, then we can agree that uh, what we're talking about are things we all struggle with. And I, and it is, it's just so funny to me. And I've been in church work a long time. Um, I pastored churches and been around churches, been around Christians. And, and I used to talk about how, because I counseled all week, I could then stand and preach on Sunday and see the people that were sitting in the, in the seats. And I know what those families are dealing with. I know mm. what they're going through. I know what they're struggling with i know what what sin they brought in with them and yet there are people in that congregation that would look around and go these people have it all together they don't know and it's it's like it's almost laughable like no we're not different we're all somewhere perhaps on a different place on the road but we're all on the road 
And sanctification is a lifelong process that takes us, I think, to death. And, you know, we're fully sanctified um, when we are in heaven with, with Christ. I mean, that's, that's the end of the process. Um, you know how we, weird it would be? <laughs> you just, sorry, you're going to make me go on a rabbit trail. You know how weird it would be? What if there was, like, this is the way it was. If you walk into church and it was just all of a sudden everybody in the congregation's sin is just, like, plain. Yeah. I wonder if we would worship more pure. I wonder if we would repent more serious. Because, honestly, that mask that we all wear, me too, yeah. that you really see it at churches. And, man, I yeah. know, I get it, you know, person that's going – there is a lot of mask being worn. Yep. But honestly, what that is, and I think we touched on this in the first time we talked, but that what that is is saying that the cross, I don't need the cross. Yeah. I'm perfect. Yeah. Man, I wonder, and that's why I do believe from the rooms of recovery comes a revival of a nation. Yeah. Because, man, the guys and, and gals that come through this stuff, and I believe the same thing with what you're doing. At some point, it's like I've already been seen as a secondary citizen. Yeah. And at some point, it's like I don't give a rip. Yeah. I don't give a rip yeah. what people think. I'm going to bring God glory. And, man, that's a powerful dude. That's like the apostles were untouchable. If you read the, if you read the New Testament, yeah. it's like these dudes, you couldn't shut them up. And what did Paul say? <laughs> Paul's like, uh, all right, Paul, we're going we're gonna to do this to you. We're going to kill you if you keep talking about to die is gain. Yeah. All right, yeah. we'll let you live to live yeah. as Christ. Yeah. We're going to torture you. I don't consider yeah. the sufferings of this world to be right. compared to the future glory. Like you can't do anything with guys right. that don't give a rip about what people right. think. Right. And so that's that's my hope. Yeah, no, I love it. My, my uh, kind of the verse I would call my life verse, or the the one I sign with my signature when people ask me for my signature is Acts twenty twenty four, and the Apostle Paul is being confronted, and prophecy is being read over him. Like, hey, if you keep doing this, it's going to end badly for you. And yeah. Acts twenty twenty four, he just says, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I've received of the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel, the grace of God. He just kind of went, yeah, and what's your point? It, 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 yeah, I love it. Hmm. But that's the perspective that says it's it's not about me. Yeah. And we're living at a time in church culture where churches largely communicate this whole thing, all of it, it's all about you. Yeah. So if you come into this congregation, you're going to find a place to plug in where you can be served. You're going to hear a message that's going to help you be a better person. If you're struggling in your marriage, there's a class over there to help you be, uh, to help help you have a better marriage. And, and I love church. And I love being helped, and all those things are true. But when we come into a congregation, when we come into a church, when we come into a fellowship, and say, "How can I be used here? What can God do with me here?" That 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 shift in perspective then goes. You know what? Everybody needs help. It doesn't matter what they're doing or not doing. Praise God if they yes. haven't had to deal with some of the things I've had to deal with. Some people here have probably had to deal with worse. Something like 70% of Americans have dealt with some degree of sexual abuse at some point in their life. I mean, look yeah. around your church auditorium and, and figure out how many people that is. Yeah. So people are all dealing with things. You know, Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that the work of the church is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Um, yeah. And just understanding that going in, I think it, it, it changes our willingness to get connected and then to quickly say, where can I be used? Where can I serve? Who can I help? Um, that's a very different perspective than sitting and waiting for someone to hurt you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, and even just talking about this is getting me fired up because it's is we are on mission. And so uh, veteran, I think we, we talked about 
and I could be way off because I'm not a veteran. I've never served. But I think having a purpose and having a mission yeah. is something that yeah. drives you yeah. with the way that God made you. Right. Well, man, th- that mission is ever more now. That mission, Christians need men like you, women like you. Please. The, the, the body of Christ needs men and women that aren't scared, that all of the attributes that I mentioned earlier, please, your mission is for the Capital C Church to bring God glory. Um, God doesn't need any of us. Let me just be clear. I'm not, sure. I'm not saying yeah. he needs us to do yeah. But, gosh, the way that he made you and the structure, at least in this country, the way that I see things, we need some mighty men and mighty women of valor to just press on and, and train up the youth and uh, just, just, I don't know. I, I feel like we are dangerously close, if not already, in a post-Christian place here in the united states europe already is right the churches are museums and and, you know those kind of things and i think we are dangerously close if not already there to a post-christian nation and what a mission field come join us man it might not be what you're used to but i'm telling you the spiritual warfare and the things i mean it is it'll get you fired up it'll get you fired up (laughs) go and read some of these things not even the battles of the old testament just the the conversations from uh, the church exploding in the New Testament and what God did there and what these guys, this the boldness that they had, that's your mission now. Yeah. That's your calling. That's your purpose. That's your value. It's in him. And let him use the gifts that he's given you. That's kind of my message to the, the veterans. That's, uh, that's fantastic. Yeah, falling off mission. I, I think we talked about this when uh, when I was on your podcast that my struggle coming out of the military, I think was exactly that it was, I was so focused on mission. I was focused on the job, the, the thing. And then when that was taken away, even though I fell into the church world and you could say, well, you have a different mission. It just didn't connect. It didn't communicate. And I was so lost, which then led to frustration, which led to anger, which led to really bad behavior. Um, But understanding there's a mission that's much bigger than the military, much bigger than, Wherever you come from, whatever you've done, it's not tied to a job or a uniform or wherever you find your value and your worth. It's tied to how God created you, the gifting he gave to you, and, and living that out. Yeah. Uh, and that's so powerful. And I could see how it doesn't translate. It doesn't trans. It didn't translate, and it's not going to translate for you right now um, until you begin to understand, like, God's word or not yeah. understand, read yeah. it. Yeah. And I just, I, I'm just <laughs> making me think of the story of Elisha, the prophet. Mm-hmm. And he has a, a guy like a, a servant or someone who's training up. And long story short, Elisha was hated by this army because he was a man of God. And he was always telling um, his people where God was telling him where the army right. was going to be. And he right. was basically leaking that information. And this army was going to kill him. They surround him in this city And Elisha's servant comes out one morning and he looks up and there's just chariots and they're surrounded all over. And he comes in freaking out with Elisha. And Elisha says this. He says, he he prays. He says, Lord, open his eyes so that he can see that I see. And he says, there's more for us than against us. And there, God opens his eyes and there was an angel army surrounding the army and that's what you see. If like if, if you could see and understand, it will begin to translate because God made you. Yeah. Um, 
and and I don't know. I, I'm I'm getting kind of fired up just thinking yeah. about it because, whew, I don't know. I like yeah. this stuff. Yeah, it's awesome, and you know we throw around the word hope as though it's something that should be on a Hallmark movie or yeah. <laughs> on a greeting card or talked about at Christmas or whatever. Uh, hope hope is what you just described. Hope is not uh, from a biblical perspective. You know, you go to Romans eight or whatever. Hope is not. I hope it's going to work out. Hope is a confident assurance mm. of what has already been won, what will happen. And that hope exists. You just need yeah. to get a hold of it and, and trust God for it and move into it. And there's so much power in that. Yeah. Uh, unashamedly, and, and I stamp that. Like, I don't say that because I'm some salesman or confident in some product yep. that I'm trying to sell yep. you. I say that because the God spoke all things into existence. From nothing burst forth everything because he spoke. That God says it. And if he says it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shout it from the rooftops. And I'm yeah. inviting you to do the same. God's calling you to do the same. And that is a mission that Jeremy's taking on. That is a mission that I'm taking on. And, guys, you couldn't drag us away with horses and chains. Mm, yeah. It's like I don't, you can't offer me $7 billion to go right. over here. You can't. Right. I mean, there. You're too late for all that. I've tasted this mission. I've tasted the goodness of God. I've tasted the hope that he's talking about. And it's like, man, the world's too late. <laughs> it's too late. And get on fire for that. Get on fire for that. That invitation is for you, and I'm asking and I'm pleading. You're needed. You're needed in this time right now, in, the, in our day in history. That's great. Um, let me... Let me bring us to a conclusion with this question, and this is one that I get asked all of the time, and I, I think I give an adequate answer, but it's not a great answer. Uh, what can you do if you're the family member of someone who is struggling? Yeah. Um, how do you how do you handle that? I have an answer that I give with veterans who are struggling with with trauma and post traumatic stress, and that um, you have someone that needs help. Maybe they recognize it, maybe they don't, but they're not getting help. How do you, as a brother, a sister, a parent, maybe a child if they're older, uh, a friend, how do you help them? Yeah. And if I keep looking, if you see me looking down, that's where Jeremy is in my studio. He's <laughs> on a TV on the floor, and so I'm trying to look at him and be respectful, and I'm like, wait, 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 this is looking at him. Um, well, what's your answer? And then I'll give you mine. You said you have an answer that you give families yeah. when dealing with veterans. I'd like to hear that. Yeah, often it depends on who's asking the question and True. what exactly they mean and where they're coming from, but... Um, what I'll say is a couple of things. One, be there. That's probably the most important thing that you can do is be mm. present. Um, when someone is ready to talk, they'll talk. If they know they can trust you, if they know that mm. you have a relationship, you have to have a relationship built on trust and confidence. And, again, if you're a family or friend, hopefully you have that. But just be there for them. Let them know that you're there for them. Uh, don't be afraid to point out that they are struggling and that there is help. Hey, I yeah. see that you're struggling. I, I know what you're going through here. I don't know why. I don't understand it all. I haven't lived that or experienced that. But there is help. There are opportunities to go to places uh, like a Mighty Oaks program, like other yeah. programs. Um, if they push back on that, don't keep pushing. Don't nag. Don't beat them down because then they'll isolate you. One thing that you can do is provide a resource. There are books. Here's a book I, I read written by a guy who was also in the military. Check that out. Maybe that can help. And from us, that's why we write books. That's why we produce resources so that they can be handed out. And then maybe that's a bridge back to getting the help that they need. Um, and then obviously praying and encouraging. 
I think the biggest mistake that families and friends make when trying to help a veteran who, who is hurting is just beating them every day over the head yeah. with, you need help, and I can help you, and I know a guy, and let me introduce you to this guy. And, yeah. Um, be there for them, encourage them, let them know you're there for them, offer resources, but let them drive that on their own as much as possible and, and be ready when the time comes. And then, of course, pray and, yeah. and uh, let God work in their lives. Yeah. And those books would be March or Die, available on Amazon.com. That, that is one of the many, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so I would say something similar, and it's so, what I say typically is so simple it could be so profound but it's just it's kind of generic because it is specific to the person asking but it's this make it as easy as possible for them to walk into a life of recovery or to recovery program and as hard as possible for them to stay in a life of addiction interesting what that means would be boundaries um enabling ends uh if you have any leverage in their life uh, and this sounds so bad to say, but man, I, I'm done doing funerals, so I don't care what it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. If you have any leverage in their life at all, whether it be financial or your house or your car or whatever it may be, um, spousal leverage in the aspect of family and kids, go get help or I'm leaving and then leave, right? That's what it took for me. My wife left me. The first time I went to rehab, she was there every time the doors opened, which was great. But I wasn't ready, and then she was yeah. always there. And then when I was when I came to S2L, I was expecting divorce papers, uh, and it was over. And I lost that, and God restored our marriage and everything. But set boundaries and stick to them. Don't balk. If you say, hey, I'm not going to pay your rent, and you're going to get evicted from your apartment if you don't go get help, then don't pay their rent. And it's the hardest thing in the world. Like, obviously, um, going and watching the, the Hope After Addiction podcast where the mom is talking about it and the fear of them being on the streets and everything else. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I could just protect them. No, you can't. You're, you're loving them to death, literally. And so have boundaries, whatever those boundaries look like. Set those and stick to them. But then make it easy. And, again, there's resources. Not everybody needs to go to um, sure. rehab yeah. per se, right. long-term or whatever, you know, but there's all sorts of different addictions and, you know, that's for the family member. That's good. Yeah. It's such a hard thing. Um, and so many areas that doing the right thing is very, very difficult because of your love yeah. <laughs> for a person and you do, you enable yeah. them and allow them to just drag it out as long as possible and they're not getting help. Um, I think the fear then is if I if I say I'm going to leave, then I'm going to have to leave. And what if they don't get help? Then we'll never get back together. Or if I stop paying the bills and they end up out on the street, then what if they decide to stay there? Um, how do you address that, or how do you how do you counsel a family through that? That's true, and that could happen. Uh, but at least you've done everything possible that you could do to to get them better. Because obviously loving them and paying those bills and doing everything the way you were is not helping. It's actually hurting. Sure. You've seen that or you wouldn't be having this conversation with us. So at least if, if you try, at least you, you know that you've done everything you could and you've had the tough love. You took the advice of the guy who's done this, the professionals, I think would say the same thing. Yeah. I don't want to call myself a professional, <laughs> a professional yeah. and addiction. Uh, but you know, doing, working in this space for, uh, over a decade, you know, you learn some stuff and, um, 
and I'm not saying that, you know, it, yeah, we bat a thousand, but it, it depends on who's asking. But typically, you make it as easy as possible for them to stay, uh, walk into a life of recovery, make it as hard as possible for them to, to stay in a life of addiction. That's good. We sometimes say with our Mighty Oaks programs that our whole goal for the five days that people are with us is to force them into a corner where they have to make a decision. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they can make a decision to stay where they are, or they can make a decision to move forward. But that's that's the point. We can work with them after that, but that's our whole goal. And I think as a family member, it's, it's the exact same situation. It's it's not me deciding for them that they're going to live on the street or me deciding that we're going to end our marriage. It's me right. putting them in a position where they need to be responsible and make that decision for themselves. Yeah, and I'll say this too, just to kind of love the one the person that's battling the addiction is going to say the most hurtful things right. possible. Right. They, right. they know what's going to sting the most. Yeah. You don't love me. You did this. Mm-hmm. You love them more, whatever it may be, whatever would hurt you the most. That's what they're going to say. Yep. Uh, and again, we pray for the day that they talk about. I'm so thankful that I had a praying mama and daddy that forced me yeah. into this situation. Um, and the things that they're saying right now, they're just not true. They don't even believe that stuff. They're, they're in a bad space and they're trying to manipulate to continue the life that they're living and feed their addiction. So don't allow those things to affect your, your steadfastness. That's good. So, because it will come that way. So Adam, this is a, a big issue, obviously. Um, where can people get help from you and from S2L and, as you mentioned, not everyone needs to go into a, a program. So some yeah. of the other resources that are available. Yeah. And so, I mean, for, for us, we're an all-male facility, uh, S2L Recovery, uh, in, in, dot org. S, the number two L recovery dot org is our website. Um, we, we have a, a detox that we just opened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have um, 16 residential beds and then 10 more so. Uh, there's the detox and then 42 days and another 42 days is available. We accept all insurances, um, all commercial insurances. Uh, and then, um, resource wise, if you go to S2L.net, uh, we have some stuff for a lot of churches. We just talked with a church, uh, Jorian, our producer here. Uh, there's a church that's kind of going away from the, uh, celebrate recovery model and they're wanting to start a lost and found. I keep pointing over here where you can't see it which is our curriculum. It is right. from second Peter. It talks about sanctification and growing in these areas straight from the Bible. And it's, it's a really cool thing. Uh, and so there's a documentary that we made called the forgotten pandemic, which is this sign you could see half of, uh, maybe. Uh, and it just, it's, it's really, we created it for the church to kind of open up their eyes to truly Christ centered recovery, uh, versus kind of the secular norm, which has been harmful and, yep antithetical to the word of God. And so all of that stuff can be found at s2l.net. Um, yeah. And there's some video series. If you have right now media with your church, you can kind of look for lost and found. They, they asked us to be on their platform. And so we put them on there as well. That kind of goes along with the, with the, uh, um, uh, the curriculum. And then always our podcast life after addiction and the females, the the females, my wife and (laughs) Chelsea, uh, for the families yep. of or loved ones of people going through an addiction called hope after addiction. And so pretty, uh, if I could be vulnerable with you for a second, pretty frustrated. We're moving all of our, um, 
we're we're putting life after addiction on its own channel because our our uh, ministry channel has so much different stuff, and mm. so it was encouraged to do that. Well, we opened up that channel, and then we started the girls' channel at the same time, and. My wife has more subscribers than I do. Of course she does. Yeah, of course she and, does. And uh, I've been podcasting for a long time now, so <laughs> pretty excited about that. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I do this all of the time, and if my wife does anything, it's going to get more followers, views, <laughs> listens. Um, she'll she'll do a video or a podcast or whatever, and she's get you know her her phone is blowing up from people who listen to it, and they want to let yeah. her know how great it was. And yeah, no one will let me know. That's okay. No, I don't mind. No. You it's do a great supporter. job. You do. <laughs> thank you. Job. You too. Yeah, you too. You. And I subscribe to your channel, so I think. And I've uh, subscribed to yours too. So. <laughs> and I won't. If your wife starts a podcast, I will not subscribe to. Please her don't. Channel. <laughs> I was going to subscribe to your wife, but I will not now. No, you so. should. Uh, no, they're they're doing great stuff, man. Uh, and I just joke with that. I knew as soon as they've been called to do something for a while now, um, a while now, and when they made the decision and met and really planned it out, I knew God was going to use it in a big way. Well, it's and such I a think huge. It's just, Huge Just gap. I mean, it's it's a huge gap. One that you know, as we mentioned, often the family's forgotten. Yes. Uh, and I, I think for generations, we haven't talked about what the family's dealing with. And, and that was the one thing my wife yeah. said. I would go up and down the book, the Christian bookstore aisles, looking for something. What do I do if my husband's a drug right. addict? <laughs> and yeah. there was nothing for her. And right. So, right. yeah, this is a big resource, and they get real on it, and they do a great job. Awesome. I'm proud of them. Fantastic, Adam. Thank you so much, man. Really, uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Uh, I, I need to have you back, and I'd love to come and check you out later on in the year, too. Yeah, have we'll another conversation. I could talk to you forever. Sounds great. We'll do it again. See you, bud. Another great conversation. Again, we got to the end of that, and uh, we had a conversation. Uh, there's so much more that we could talk about. This is an area, when we talk about addiction and, and all that's connected to it, that when you start diving in and really trying to understand and trying to find help, there are so many pieces. There is trauma. There is hopelessness. There is a past that many people bring into their adult lives. Uh, there are the people who are impacted. So many facets of this. It's absolutely um, essential that we spend time talking about it and thinking about it and learning. And I'm glad that Adam would come on. I'm sure we'll do something like this again, continue this conversation. But very grateful for him for the work of S2L Recovery. So please go and check them out as well. Check out his wife's podcast, um, Hope After Addiction. So Adam's is on Life Audio, Life After Addiction. His wife's is Hope After Addiction, uh, really offering hope for families. So please go and check that out as well. And uh, that would be fantastic. Again, if you are not yet subscribed to this podcast, please subscribe. Then you can go over to jeremystallinker.com. You can find everything you'd want to know about me and so much more, <laughs> including my blog and uh, all my social contacts, other uh, projects that I'm involved in. You can find all of that there as well. And then take some time, go over to Life Audio. You will find this podcast. You'll find Adam's podcast, Life After Addiction, and other great podcasts and uh, so much content there that can be a help to you. So please check that out. I really appreciate you. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. 
We've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Want to learn more about God and His will for your life one verse at a time? I'm Quinice Petway, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. I'm inviting you to tune in and subscribe at LifeAudio.com.